You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the March 8, 2023, Wednesday reading of the Greeley Tribune. My name is Elisa Burroughs. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Colorado Attorney General. Consumers made more complaints in 2022. Written by Aldo Svaldi of the Denver Post. Legislation. Colorado Republicans warn of filibusters and lawsuits. Written by Seth Clayman of the Denver Post. Greeley-Evans School District 6. Campaign finance complaint dismissed. Written by Anne Delaney of the Greeley Tribune. And the musical Grease, putting our own twist on it. Written by Anne Delaney of the Greeley Tribune. And we will be following up with miscellaneous articles. Our first main article, Colorado Attorney General. Consumers made more complaints in 2022. Written by Aldo Svaldi of the Denver Post. Consumer complaints in the state soared last year with problems related to retail sales practices, home repairs, and professional services dominating, while unemployment insurance and other pandemic-related frauds faded from the scene, according to an annual update from Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser. Consumers filed 17,941 complaints and inquiries with the Consumer Protection Section in the Colorado Department of Law, which represents a 28% increase from the number filed in 2021. About 1 in 11 complaints, or 1,676, centered on questionable retail practices, such as unauthorized subscriptions, product and delivery issues, and difficulties in obtaining a cancellation or termination. Home repairs and services problems such as prepayment scams and incomplete or shoddy work accounted for 958 complaints. Another big source of complaints at 919 involved product and service warranties, business support, and legal services. Quote, we often preach the mantra, constant vigilance. It is harder than ever to be a consumer. There are so many ways you can be scammed. So many businesses are looking for ways to put the onus on you, to leave you in the lurch if you don't advocate for yourself, Weiser said during a news call for National Consumer Protection Week. Unemployment insurance-related fraud, number two on the 2021 list, and a huge headache for thousands of people in the state, didn't register last year, due in part to federal unemployment benefits ending and the Colorado Department of Labor tightening identity verification procedures. But other forms of identity fraud remain a bane. Healthcare and medical services crossed into the bottom of the top 10 last year with 485 complaints, drawing the attention of consumer advocates. For reasons that are not entirely clear, debt collectors have become much more aggressive in collecting medical debts, including on bills that are not legitimate or are being contested, Weiser said. Quote, I don't know quite why it has risen so much, but it is now in the top ten and on our radar screen, Weiser said. 
The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the Federal Trade Commission also track consumer complaints, with the CFPB receiving 6,880 complaints out of Colorado, while the FTC received 39,926, said Danny Katz, director of COPERG, a consumer advocacy group. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau complaints, or the CFPB complaints, centered around incorrect information on credit reports and difficulties in correcting those errors, debt collection practices, and problems with bank accounts. The Federal Trade Commission, or FTC, complaints centered more on imposter scams, online shopping fraud, and identity theft, which garnered over 10,000 complaints. The FTC estimates Colorado consumers who filed complaints lost $138.2 million, with a median loss of $600 last year, Katz said. Katz urged consumers to be more proactive and stand up for themselves if they believe they have been wronged. Any scams, fraud, price gouging, or other questionable practices can be reported to Stop Fraud Colorado at 1-800-222-4444 or online at StopFraudColorado, all one word, dot gov. Once again, Stop Fraud Colorado's phone number is one 800 222-4444. Our next main article, Legislation. Colorado Republicans warn of filibusters and lawsuits. Democrats' four major gun proposals will face hours of testimony this week. Written by Seth Clayman of the Denver Post. A Republican lawmaker apologized to his colleagues Monday morning for a tweet that threatened civil war over gun reform efforts. But in a nod to the looming legislative fights over firearms set to begin this week, he emphasized how important the issue was to him and his constituents. Quote, I do want you to understand that firearms are something that are near and dear to folks on the western slope and throughout rural Colorado, Delta Republican Representative Matt Soper told his House colleagues Monday morning. Two days before, he tweeted an image of himself firing a rifle and warning that anyone who attempted to disarm gun owners should be, quote, prepared for civil war, unquote. Quote, but I do want to say to this chamber, I should have chosen a couple of different words that were included there, and my apologies, unquote. Soper's apology comes as Colorado lawmakers brace for protracted debate and public testimony about a package of gun violence prevention bills set to begin their journey through the Capitol this week. Republicans have promised to do whatever they can to fight the proposals, which include a ban on the sale of assault weapons, age limits, and an expansion of the state's red flag law, and cast them as ineffective solutions to complex problems. The first of those bills, to institute a minimum three-day waiting period between a would-be gun buyer initiating a background check and taking ownership of the weapon, came before the House's State, Civic, Military, and Veterans Affairs Committee on Monday. Three other gun reform measures will be in committee Wednesday today. All are expected to pass committees controlled by Democrats, but they are also certain to attract hours of testimony from opponents and supporters alike. Fighting that and other bills, Republican Minority Leader Representative Mike Lynch has said is a top priority for his caucus. 
At least two of his colleagues, Republican Representatives Ryan Armagost and Ty Winter, both wore assault weapon pins on their lapels Monday morning. Winter said the gun bills constituted the state, quote, falling asleep at the wheel, unquote, and said the Second Amendment was a way for the public to have a check on their government. There's, quote, not a lot of wiggle room, unquote, when it comes to gun rights, he said. Lynch said the party is likely to launch hours of filibuster delays, akin to the 24-hour filibuster they undertook last year to fight a marquee abortion bill, to stall the gun legislation. Quote, it's a bright, shiny thing that's easier to approach than attacking the harder issues, Lynch said of the gun reform bills. We're not talking about mental health because we're going to waste the next three weeks dealing with guns. I'm not sure it's an effort in the right direction, unquote. Given Democrats' sizable majorities in both chambers, delays are likely all that Republicans can hope to achieve. Lynch joked that he hasn't figured out a new way for the minority party to kill a bill. Taylor Rhodes, the executive director of Rocky Mountain Gun Owners, promised Monday to file lawsuits over the Democrats' gun bills, an implicit acknowledgment that the party has the ability to pass the legislation it wants to. The most controversial of the gun bills may be the one that Republicans have the best hope of defeating. On Friday, the much-debated bill to ban the sale of assault weapons in Colorado was finally introduced in the House, prompting Soper's tweet. The bill's introduction, which came after a high-profile rollout for the other gun bills, had been a sore spot for its primary sponsor, Denver Democrat Representative Elizabeth Epps, who told the Post that she felt it was being sidelined. The measure's other primary sponsor, Representative Andy Bosenecker, took his name off the bill before it was introduced. Lawmakers have said it may have a difficult time passing the Senate, given that Democrats in that chamber feel it will be less effective and require more attention and oxygen than the rest of the package. Quote, the most diverse Democrat caucus that we've seen in Colorado's history is probably going to come around and not be 100% behind some of these measures, Lynch said, referring to the assault weapon bill. Will it be enough to turn the tide? I don't know, unquote. He repeatedly said that lawmakers should focus on mental health rather than gun reform. That was a familiar attack line for Republicans and their allies. Representative Richard Holtorf, an Akron Republican, said the Democrats' bills wouldn't do anything to address gun violence in the state, which he said is caused by societal degradation and the prevalence of drugs like fentanyl. He accused, quote, social justice warriors, unquote, of not being willing to engage on those issues. In testimony to lawmakers Monday, Rhodes also brought up the need to focus on mental health solutions. That prompted Bosenecker to ask Rhodes what mental health legislation his group had supported in years past. Rhodes replied that his organization is focused on gun rights, not mental health issues. Asked what behavioral health solutions he would propose in lieu of gun reform, Lynch said he was in the minority in the House and that he couldn't Quote, keep ahead of, unquote, the many mental health proposals being contemplated in the legislature. A spokesman pointed to a bipartisan bill signed into law last week that will allow psychologists to prescribe medications, and Lynch reiterated that he thought part of the issue was a, quote, degradation of dads showing guns how to properly use firearms, unquote. Quote, what is the proper mental health solution, he said, 
I don't know, unquote. Our next main article, Greeley-Evans School District 6, Campaign Finance Complaint Dismissed. Ruling says the brochure for the mill levy override was just barely within the statutory exception for factual summaries. Written by Ann Delaney of the Greeley Tribune. The Colorado Secretary of State's office dismissed a complaint of campaign finance law violations on Monday against Greeley-Evans School District 6, but the ruling came with a caveat on how the school system presented information related to a ballot measure on a mill levy override, or MLO. Deputy Secretary of State Christopher P. Beale made the ruling in a nine-page document posted on the Transparency in Contribution and Expenditure Reporting System, or TRACER, the public disclosure website for campaign finance in Colorado. In the fall, Greeley-Evans School District 6 resident Stacy Castile filed the complaints alleging District 6 made prohibited expenditures to urge voters to approve or vote yes on a November 2022 ballot measure to extend the mill levy override for another 10 years before it expired at the end of this year. Castile filed paperwork in January with the Secretary of State office to run for a school board seat in District 6. Beale's ruling Monday found the school district did not make prohibited expenditures because the Fair Campaign Practices Act allows a government agency, quote, to expend monies or make contributions to dispense a factual summary that includes the arguments both for and against the ballot measure and does not contain an opinion in favor of or against the issue, unquote. Beale also said, though, the district's brochure, which contained information on the MLO, Quote, is only just barely within statutory exception for factual summaries of ballot measures, unquote. The ruling said the brochure on the second side presents a list of pros and cons in plain text font with no graphics or effort at rhetorical emphasis, but, quote, the front side of the brochure is another matter, unquote. Beale's analysis calls the front of the brochure a, quote, one-sided presentation, unquote, with graphics to emphasize the school district's claims as to the benefits that the MLO provided over the five years since it was enacted in 2017 and the benefits from its continuation. The deputy's critique originates with the front side of the brochure, lacking any similar display on the cost to property owners from the MLO or the impact the costs might have had. Quote, no objective, dispassionate reader could understand the brochure to be anything other than advocacy in favor of passage of the proposed continuation of the override, Beale's analysis said. As the citizen complaint pointed out, the recipients of this brochure clearly understood it to be a call for a vote in favor of the mill levy override, unquote. In an emailed statement, Castile said, though she was hoping for a different decision, the ruling was what she expected. Quote, Jenna Griswold abuses her authority as Secretary of State to support liberal groups such as Greeley-Evans School District 6 by protecting them from violating campaign finance laws, Castile wrote. Regardless, they should have just done the right thing, unquote. Castile also said the fact that school district was taken to task for the brochure, yet the motion was dismissed, gives insight into the standards Griswold has set for her staff. 
Quote, despite the ruling, District 6 should not be using school resources to promote the support for the mill levy override, she continued in her emailed statement. The district continues to show a lack of transparency in their activities and situations to push their agenda. This is something I'll continue to fight against, and another reason I'm running for school board this November, unquote. The MLO ballot measure was approved with nearly 70% of the vote. On January 30th, the Elections Division of the Secretary of State Office filed a motion to dismiss the complaints, quote, based on insufficient evidence, unquote, to support the violations. That motion then advanced the process to Beal as the Deputy Secretary of State to review the complaints. District 6 Chief of Communications Teresa Myers said Monday evening, while the district is happy with the affirmation from the state that the district did not commit a campaign finance violation, Castile, as the complainant, has 35 days to file for judicial review of Beal's ruling. As of Monday night, Castile had not indicated if she will file for a judicial review. Myers and Assistant Director of Communications Casey Pearson were mentioned in Beale's ruling. Pearson created the quote-unquote factual summary for the ballot measure at Myers' direction and with input from Myers and District 6 leadership, according to Beale's analysis. Myers also said Monday that District quote, constantly reviews, unquote, what it does, and it will take the state's ruling into consideration if it has to create similar literature in the future. She added the district feels it has a moral obligation when it runs a tax measure to provide factual information to voters on how many dollars have been spent and how it will be spent in the future. Quote, we own that information, and we felt it was essential to get it to our community, Myers said, I'm sure there is always room for improvement, unquote. Myers said the district provided information on taxpayer impact from the MLO to the public in public presentations. Quote, we can look at the way we format these, she said. We're happy to consider that and look at it. It's essential for our taxpayers to understand how the money was spent, unquote. And our fourth main article, The Musical Grease, Putting Our Own Twist on It. Greeley Central High School to present the popular high school-based show Thursday through Saturday. Written by Anne Delaney of the Greeley Tribune. Later this week, 90 cast, crew, and musicians at Greeley Central High School will present a well-known and beloved show based on an early 1970s musical and a hit movie later in the decade. Greece will cruise into Greeley Central for four performances Thursday through Saturday at the high school auditorium. Greece was originally a musical, opening in Chicago in 1971. Seven years later, the story and the high-energy show became part of pop culture with the release of the 1978 movie starring John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Quote, in the show, you'll find a lot of little things that were popular in the 1950s, the twist and the mashed potato, said Maya Cooney, a central junior who is in the show as a member of the Pink Ladies Ensemble. We're keeping it true to that time and putting our own twist on it. We don't want to copy the movie. We want to keep things super timeless and keep choreography everyone will recognize, unquote. Central's show schedule is 7 p.m. Thursday through Saturday with a 1 p.m. matinee Saturday. 
Tickets are $8 for students and $10 for adults. Tickets are available online at the Greeley Central website, or you may phone them for more information. Set in 1959 at fictional Rydell High, the musical and movie tell a coming-of-age story, according to director Brian Humphrey, a central theater and drama teacher. The high school's production is based on the musical with the book Music and Lyrics by Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey. Humphrey said Greeley Central had to acquire permission to use two songs from the movie in its production, Hopelessly Devoted to You and You're the One That I Want, which were not in the musical version. Quote, I think it gets some negative connotation sometimes because everyone focuses on the idea that Sandy has to change herself, Humphrey said. For me, it's more of discovering who you are, and it's okay to grow and flourish in a way when society has been pushing you down, unquote. Humphrey said the show involves a performing cast of about 45 students, 34 student crew members, four stage management staff, and six members of the orchestra. Three of the orchestra members are central students, Leonardo Pompa Dominguez on bass, Jack Patrick on drums, and Vidal Lucero on percussion, and one is University of Northern Colorado student Christian Longoria on saxophone. Central choir teacher and director Richard Green will play guitar, and orchestra teacher and director Elizabeth Richardson will play the piano. In addition to Humphrey, the show director, the production will be led by dance teacher Christy O'Connell Black, orchestra director Doug Farr, and the Heath Middle School Orchestra and Choir Director, Michael O'Brien, handling vocal direction. At Greeley Central, senior Allison Toes plays Sandy, junior Will Matthews plays Danny Zuko, Sandy's love interest and leader of the Burger Palace Boys. In the movie, Zuko and his pals were known as the T-Birds. Matthews' brother, Jeb, recently had a leading role in Greeley West High's production of Matilda. Central senior Marcus Rodriguez Intulaxana is cast as Kaniki, Danny's best friend and member of the Burger Palace Boys. Junior Malia Hurtado Hamby plays Rizzo, lead of the girl group The Pink Ladies. The other named Pink Ladies are Cecily Mash as Marty, Ainsley Hagen as Frenchie, and Gabby Luce as Jan. The named Burger Palace Boys are Connor Fay as Sonny, Aaron Smith as Duty, and Giovanni Rangel as Roger. Maya Cooney, who is 17 and who also plays a pink lady, is also the dance captain of the show, assisting choreographer O'Connell Black and teaching dances to other performers. She began dancing when she was in seventh grade, and she started formal ballet a year later. Cooney said all of the performers are involved in dance numbers at various levels. She called the dancing throughout the show high energy, including a dance contest held during the scene at the prom. Quote, that is definitely something to look forward to, Cooney said. Four male students are featured in the Grease Lightning number, Dante Parlin, Cohen McCall, Luis Becerra, and Everett Mash. Quote, we wanted to capture the iconic and fun dances from the movie, Cooney said. We took some stuff from Grease Lightning in the movie and pulled inspiration from other places. The dances are clean, focused, and fun, unquote. There wouldn't be Grease Lightning or other key moments in the show without a classic car. 
Lee's Towing and Millican donated a 1957 Studebaker to the school for use in the show. The production also received use of other classic cars and the old J.B.'s Drive-In on 8th Avenue for a photo shoot as part of promotions for Greece. Quote, the process itself has been really high energy and super positive, Humphrey said. We ran into at least two snow days. We were playing catch-up a little bit. There's been an excitement within the cast, and they've pulled it together really well, Unquote. Once again, Greeley Central's show schedule for the musical Grease is 7 p.m. Thursday through Saturday and also a 1 p.m. matinee on Saturday. Tickets are $8 for students, $10 for adults. We will finish our time today with miscellaneous articles beginning with the Greeley Tribune obituary tributes for Wednesday, March 8th. John Joe Lovato passed away Saturday, February 25th at the age of 80. He was born March 19, 1942, to Edward and Florida Lovato in Rocky Ford, Colorado. Joe joined the United States Navy when he was 17 years old and honorably served for four years. He met his wife, Carmelita Montoya, and they were married in 1968. They had two children, Lonnie Joe and Sandra Marie. His family writes that Joe enjoyed fishing and was an active member in his church. He was preceded in death by his parents and is survived by nine siblings, his son Lonnie and wife Lori, daughter Sandra and husband Kevin, ten grandchildren, ten great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. A Celebration of Life service will be held on Saturday, March 25th, 1 to 3 p.m. at the Greeley Recreation Center, located at 651 10th Avenue in Greeley. Evelyn L. Ward of Greeley passed away March 2nd at the age of 102. Evelyn was born on February 17, 1921 in Denver to Martinez and Nellie Olson. She attended school in Amherst, Colorado, and graduated from Holyoke High School in 1938. She went on to receive her bachelor's degree in home economics from Colorado State University in 1942. She later completed her education at UNC with a master's degree in food science and nutrition. Evelyn married Harold Jessen in 1944, and he passed away in 1948. She married Leslie Ward on July 15, 1950, in Greeley. Her first job was as a home economics teacher in Haxton. Evelyn later worked for Weld County Department of Social Services as a caseworker from 1970 to 1983. In later years, she started a scholarship for deserving students at CSU. Evelyn was very active with several organizations in the area. She was a member of the First United Methodist Church, the United Methodist Women's Group, and she was a Sunday school teacher. She was a 4-H leader, served on the board of directors for Habitat for Humanity, and she received an award for achieving 15,000 hours of volunteer work for RSVP volunteers in service. She also made over 100 quilts for people impacted by Hurricane Katrina. Evelyn is survived by her children, Marlene Waltz and husband James of Evergreen, Greg Ward and wife Karen of Greeley, Nancy Knight and husband Keith of Evergreen, along with eight grandchildren and eight great-grandchildren. 
She was preceded in death by her first husband, Harold Jessen, her second husband, Leslie Ward, her brother, Donald Olson, and her grandson, Kyle Ward. Her family writes, Evelyn had many accomplishments throughout her life. Besides being involved in her community and church, she most enjoyed spending time with her family. She leaves a legacy of love, compassion, and devotion for her children and grandchildren. A life celebration will be held at 10 a.m. Saturday, March 11th at First United Methodist Church. Interment will follow at Sunset Memorial Gardens. The family invites friends who wish to contribute memorial contributions to the Muscular Dystrophy Association through mda.org. Chong Sun Beisel, known as Kim to friends and family, age 71 of Greeley, passed away February 20th. Chong was born January 10th, 1952, in Sangju, South Korea, to Suk Ji and Kangwal Kim. She got married and moved to the United States around 1984. In 1985, she was proud to become a United States citizen. Chong worked for the Greeley Evans School District 6 for 31 years as a custodian and retired in 2019. Her family writes that she loved to cook, fish, crochet, go hunting, and play cards. She is survived by her boyfriend of 30 years, Robert Rosenoff of Greeley, daughter Shana Stinnett, and son Daniel Beisel, along with five grandchildren. Her memorial service will be held at the Fellowship Church, located at 2376 47th Avenue in Greeley, on March 11th at 10 a.m. Kenneth V. Prince, age 87, of Greeley, passed away Sunday, February 26th at UC Health Greeley Hospital. He was born March 8, 1935, south of Kersey, to Henry and Dorothy Prince. Ken attended Auburn and Big Bend grade schools, then later Valley View in Kersey. He was a welder by trade, but also farmed near Kersey and LaSalle. He would have probably farmed forever if he could have. He loved being out in the open, planting and harvesting. On February 3, 1956, Ken married Mary Jane Hines. They lived in Colorado most of their 65 years together, but spent 10 years in Cheyenne, Wyoming, before moving back to Colorado to be nearer to family and friends. Ken truly loved Wyoming and missed it until he passed away. Ken was one of the founding members of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in LaSalle. As the church was being built, he helped to stain the wooden beams, assisted with putting in the sprinkler system. He was very intelligent and was interested in history and current events. He enjoyed traveling to Hawaii and visiting the ocean and often shared fond memories of traveling with his brothers and their wives. Ken also loved gardening and grew all types of vegetables and roses. He had a wonderful sense of humor. His family writes that Ken was very tough in character and taught his children to have a strong work ethic. Kenneth is survived by his sons, Thomas Prince and wife Vicki of Wiggins, Mark Prince of Greeley, and Scott Prince of Middletown, Ohio. His daughter, Marcia Eckert of Ivor Village, England, his brother, Carl Prince and wife Patricia of Fort Morgan, and he is also survived by four grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. He was preceded in death by his wife, parents, and seven brothers. A funeral service was held at 1 p.m. Monday, March 6th at Stoddard Funeral Home. 
Interment took place at Sunset Memorial Gardens. The following death notices are also published in today's paper. Felix M. Malto Sr., age 90 of Gill, passed away Wednesday, March 1st in Greeley. Visitation will be from 5 to 8 p.m. Thursday, March 9th, with a recitation of the Rosary at 6 p.m., both at Stoddard Funeral Home. A Mass of Christian Burial will be read at 11 a.m. Friday, March 10th, at Our Lady of Peace Catholic Church. Interment will follow at Sunset Memorial Gardens. David Anderson of Greeley. Services will be held at a later date. Stephen Davis of Greeley. Arrangements are pending. Alan Dennison of Greeley. Arrangements are pending. Francisco Villalobos of Loveland. Arrangements are pending. Elena Bernal of Greeley. A visitation is scheduled from 5 to 8 p.m. next Monday at Adamson. A life celebration is scheduled for 11 a.m. Tuesday at Mosaic Church. Garda Leon of Greeley. A visitation from 4 to 6 p.m. followed by a recitation of the Rosary at 6 p.m. will be held today at Adamson. A Mass of Christian Burial will be read at 9.30 a.m. Thursday at St. Peter Catholic Church. Berman Lawrenson of Greeley. A life celebration is scheduled for 11 a.m. March 20th at Adamson. Marilyn June Peterson-Brown of Eden. A life celebration is scheduled for 10 a.m. Friday at the Eden Lutheran Church. Tim Torres of Greeley. A recitation of the Rosary will be at 9 a.m. followed by a Mass of Christian Burial at 9.30 on Friday at St. Peter Catholic Church. Concepcion Bencomo of Evans. Arrangements are pending. Damien Cruz of Greeley. Arrangements are pending. Mario Delgado Marin of Greeley. Arrangements are pending. Anita Leon of Greeley. Arrangements are pending. Giselle Luna of Millican. A visitation is scheduled today from 4 to 7 p.m. with a recitation of the Rosary at 6 p.m. at the Mosier Funeral Service Chapel. The funeral service will be held at 11 a.m. Thursday at Journey Christian Church in Greeley. Interment will follow at Sunset Memorial Gardens. Vernon Morgan of Greeley. Arrangements are pending. And Larry Rodriguez of Eden. Arrangements are pending. And now to today's editorial page. We have a guest editorial from the Salem News out of Salem, Massachusetts, titled, It's Not Just TikTok Keeping Track of You. TikTok, a social media app owned by Chinese company ByteDance, has come under a great deal of scrutiny during the last several years, in part due to its provocative content, but also because of its data collection practices. The app collects data such as names, ages, phone numbers, emails, IP addresses, locations, user interests, and more. This information is collected in a couple of ways. 
Users either provide it directly to TikTok when they create their accounts and interact with certain types of videos, or the data is obtained through use of a pixel. A pixel is essentially a tracker embedded into the code of a website used to collect an array of data. It is used to collect information such as likes, dislikes, online behaviors, web activity, IP addresses, purchases, and more. TikTok can then relay the information to advertisers to help them better target potential consumers. If that sounds invasive, that is because it is. If it sounds illegal, we can assure you it is not. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, has been doing it for years. So has Google. In fact, smaller local businesses do it too as an effort to promote their business. TikTok's data collection practices are not different from those of any other social media platform. Truth be told, neither is the content. Parents across the country are alarmed by the content available on TikTok. The platform features user-generated content in the form of 15 seconds or fewer video snippets. Some of the popular and more innocent videos feature dances, singing, and awkward skits. But those are not the only videos available on the app. TikTok videos also include various quote-unquote challenges meant to generate user engagement. One such challenge, called the Blackout Challenge, encourages users to hold their breath until they pass out due to a lack of oxygen. TikTok is facing multiple wrongful death lawsuits as a result of that challenge. We find the challenge and the results to be horrifying, but we find it important to point out such Challenges are not unique to TikTok. Do we all remember the Tide Pod Challenge? It was through Tumblr, YouTube, and Twitter that teens were encouraged to eat laundry detergent pods. The challenge was so popular, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission felt the need to issue a statement on Twitter saying simply, quote, please don't eat laundry pods, unquote. In addition to these quote-unquote challenges, parents are also concerned about the availability of sexually explicit content, racist and homophobic content, content which promotes extremist ideals and propaganda, content that leads to poor body image and depression, normalization of risk-taking behaviors, and the potential the app poses for cyberbullying and exclusion. Again, none of those concerns are unique to TikTok. What is unique to TikTok is the China-based company that owns it, and the fear data gathered will be used for espionage and that the app will serve as a means to deliver propaganda. Evan Greer, director of the nonprofit Fight for Future, acknowledges the potential for the abuse of privacy exists, but also points out the, quote, U.S. government and many other governments already abuse and exploit the data collected by every other U.S.-based tech company with the same data harvesting business practices, unquote. Greer believes, quote, if policymakers want to protect Americans from surveillance, they should advocate for a basic privacy law that bans all companies from collecting sensitive data about us in the first place, rather than engaging in what amounts to xenophobic showboating and does exactly nothing to protect anyone, unquote. We agree. Social media as a whole is the problem. For two decades, we have allowed social media to invade our privacy and do as companies please with the data they collect. 
We have allowed it to influence users of every age group and every political affiliation. It is used to spread fear, fake news, hatred and propaganda, and it has done so without the help of the Chinese government. As the U.S. government moves to ban TikTok from government devices and talks of banning the app nationwide continue to grow, we urge our readers to keep this in mind. Right now, the decision to use or not use TikTok is our own to make, as it should be. So is the decision as to whether you let Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Truth Social, or any number of available social media apps into our life. Those platforms will all track our personal information and attempt to influence users as they see fit. It is up to all of us to decide whether the benefits of connectivity and entertainment outweigh the dangers all of these platforms pose. That guest editorial was from the Salem News out of Salem, Massachusetts. Also on today's editorial page, we have a letter to the editor from Becky Schaefer of Eden. She writes, On Sunday, March 5th, a group of 10 to 15 people stood outside a Presbyterian church in Greeley with a bullhorn and signs singing Christian hymns and yelling that the pastor who serves his community on the board of the local school district supports having pornography in the district schools. I am so ashamed. I am a follower of Jesus and love him more than I can put into words, that this group of people would invoke Jesus' name while shouting horrible things at this man, his family, and his church members, is so anti-Jesus. Christians are to be known by their love of others, both those who share their faith and those who don't, not how many books they get banned from our schools. That letter was submitted by Becky Schaefer of Eaton. And now back to the news. U.S. health officials are alerting consumers about two more recalls of eye drops due to contamination risks that could lead to vision problems and serious injury. The announcements follow a recall last month of eye drops made in India that were linked to an outbreak of drug-resistant infections. One person died. The Food and Drug Administration posted separate recall notices for certain eye drops distributed by Pharmedica and Apotex after the company said they are voluntarily pulling several lots of their products from the market. Pharmedica on Friday of last week said it is recalling two lots of the product named Purely Soothing, 15% MSM drops, due to problems, quote, that could result in blindness, unquote. The over-the-counter drops are designed to treat eye irritation. Last week, the FDA posted a separate recall announcement from Apotex recalling six lots of prescription eye drops used to treat a form of glaucoma. Organizers of the Cheyenne Frontier Days in Wyoming have released the musical lineup for its 2023 event, including some return acts as well as first-timers to the daddy of them all. Country superstar Eric Church will be gracing the stage once again at 8 p.m. Friday, July 21st, after last performing at the event in 2021. During his rise to the top of country music charts, Church has garnered quite a few accolades along the way, including seven Academy of Country Music Awards, four Country Music Association Awards, and ten Grammy Award nominations, as well as 30 gold, platinum, and multi-platinum certified singles. 
with hits like Springsteen, Guys Like Me, Round Here Buzz, and more, Church will bring an exciting show that music fans of all genres will not want to miss. Singer-songwriter Paul Coffin from Tyler, Texas, will be the opening act for Church. The acts keep coming at 8 p.m. Saturday, July 22nd, with Old Dominion. Hailing from Nashville, the band has become one of country music's top postmodern bands, combining engaging lyrics with expert musicianship. Since 2014, Old Dominion has achieved eight number one singles, more than one billion on-demand streams, and several platinum and gold singles certifications. Chase Rice, who performed at the Greeley Stampede in 2017, will open for Old Dominion. Up-and-comer and Navy veteran Zach Bryan is scheduled to perform at 8 p.m. Sunday, July 23rd. Since his debut in 2019, Bryan has made a name for himself with his raspy voice, belting out heartfelt and deep lyrics with a mix of classic folk and outlaw country melodies. His stripped-down raw style adds a completely different flair to CFD's musical lineup. Break up the midweek blues with some rock from Five Finger Death Punch with Papa Roach at 8 p.m. Wednesday, July 26th in the arena. Since the band's initial album, The Way of the Fist, released in 2007, Five Finger Death Punch has produced eight more albums. Seven of the albums were certified gold or platinum. In 2016, the Association of the United States Army honored the band with the Soldier Appreciation Award. The only other artist to receive this prestigious award was Elvis Presley. Punk and rap-inspired Papa Roach, also performing Wednesday, July 26th, roared onto the music scene in 2001 with their release of their single, Last Resort. The Grammy-nominated group has sold more than 20 million albums and have returned with their 11th studio album, Ego Trip. Fans of 1883, the prequel of the hit Yellowstone, will get to see the main character James Dutton in real life, as country superstar Tim McGraw graces the stage at 8 p.m. Thursday, July 27th. The Grammy Award-winning musician, author, and talented actor is considered one of the most successful touring acts in the history of country music. His biggest hit to date, Humble and Kind, continues to inspire music fans from across all genres with its true and honest lyrics. Kip Moore will join McGraw as the opening act of the night. The self-described Lone Wolf will present songs from his fourth studio album, Wild World, as well as fan favorites like Hey Pretty Girl and Something About a Truck. If you missed John Party at the 100th Greeley Stampede in 2022, you have another chance to see him as he heads to Cheyenne Frontier Days at 8 p.m. Friday, July 28th. The singer-songwriter and new dad to baby girl Presley Fawn Party will play songs from his latest album, Mr. Saturday Night. Party will be joined by Carly Pierce, a singer-songwriter from Kentucky. Wrapping up the Cheyenne Frontier Day 2023 concert series is former bull rider, now country music star, Cody Johnson. Johnson has also appeared at the Greeley Stampede, bringing his high-energy show to fans in North Colorado in 2019. Since then, Johnson has risen up the charts with hits like Dear Rodeo, in which he partnered with country superstar Reba McIntyre. On My Way to You, Human, and Till You Can't. Whiskey Myers, a southern rock and country group from Palestine, Texas, will open for Johnson. 
Tickets for concert packages and individual concerts are scheduled to go on sale at 9 a.m. Wednesday, March 15th, online only at the Cheyenne Frontiers Day website. There will be no in-person ticket sales that day. Cheyenne Frontier Days takes place from Friday, July 21st through Sunday, July 30th, with events and activities for all ages, including PRCA Pro Rodeo, a carnival, vendors, and professional bull riders, parades, and more. For more information and information about ticket sales, go to www.cfdrodeo.com. In other news, Greeley police are asking for the public's help in locating a 49-year-old woman who's been missing since early February. Holly Delgado's family members reported that she was missing on February 7th. Delgado was last seen leaving her home on February 3rd in her vehicle, according to a news release from Greeley police. Her family reported she left without her identification, money, cell phone, and a change of clothing. Greeley police learned the North Glen Police Department contacted Delgado during the early morning hours of February 4th. Officers moved her vehicle to the Red Lobster parking lot near 104th and Livingston Drive, where it remained secured, according to police. At 8.10 p.m. that day, the Adams County Sheriff's Office contacted Delgado. Deputies took her to the North Suburban Medical Center in Thornton, where she was admitted The release did not indicate why she was taken there. About 12.30 p.m. the following day, Delgado was discharged from the medical center. She walked out and has not been seen or heard from since, according to Greeley police. Delgado was a former longtime Greeley Tribune carrier who delivered to the Nunn area, according to Jonathan Woodward, the circulation and distribution manager for the Tribune. Those who see Delgado or who have information relating to her current or former whereabouts are asked to contact Detective John Kinn at 970-350-9603. That's 970-350-9603. Meals on Wheels of Greeley and Weld County is hosting a St. Patrick's Day breakfast fundraiser, 7 to 9 a.m. Friday, March 17th at 2131 9th Street in Greeley. The event will feature a breakfast burrito from Santiago's, a fresh fruit cup, muffin, and your choice of juice, coffee, and milk for a suggested donation of $10. Meal delivery is available for orders of 10 or more meals. One purchase of one breakfast equals one Meals on Wheels lunch for a client. To participate in the fundraising event, please RSVP by email to info at mealsonwheelsgreeley.com. The All Kids Bike Kindergarten Learn to Ride program will teach kindergarten students from Platteville Elementary School how to ride a bike. Led by the nonprofit Strider Education Foundation, All Kids Bike is a national movement to teach every child in America how to ride a bike in kindergarten physical education class. The program is bringing 24 bikes, pedal conversion kits, helmets, one teacher instruction bike, and certified curriculum teacher training to physical education at Platteville Elementary School. In eight lessons, the kindergarten students will learn everything from balance to riding a bike. Lisa Weyer, Executive Director of the Strider Education Foundation, said children having the ability to ride a bike leads to better focus in the classroom because it develops physical and mental well-being and instills confidence. Quote, Kindergarten is the perfect age to teach kids to ride a bike, focusing on gross motor skills, balance, and coordination, Weyer said. 
By teaching bike riding at the entry level in a public school system, we are providing the knowledge and a positive foundation of a lifelong skill, unquote. Through this program, about 50 kindergarten students will learn how to ride a bike each year. Due to the equipment's lifespan of up to 10 years, the program's impact plans to reach up to 500 kids over the next decade. The Greeley History Museum has announced its Museum at Twilight events will take place quarterly in 2023. The series offers visitors the opportunity to explore the museum's exhibits and attend special programs from 4 to 6 p.m. at 714 8th Street. The quarterly series kicked off last Saturday with a historic fashion show. The show gave guests a glimpse into some of the clothing and accessories in the museum's collection. Pieces featured in the fashion show ranged from the 1870s to the 1910s. The lineup of upcoming Museum at Twilight events and topics includes the following. On Saturday, June 10th, a Deerfield Study Act Q&A. On Saturday, September 16th, an opening reception for the Dolores Huerta Revolution in the Fields. And on Saturday, December 9th, Holiday Cheer, an exploration of historic drinks. Regular admission prices apply to the special series events with friends of the Greeley Museums receiving free admission. Admission to the Greeley Museum is $8 for adults, 18 to 59, $6 for seniors, age 60 and older, and $5 for youth, ages 3 through 17. For more information, you're invited to visit www.greeleymuseums.com. In honor of International Women's Day today, breweries from across Colorado are either crafting or tapping special beers, hosting events and activities to celebrate all women. Wiley Roots Brewing Company at 625 3rd Street in Greeley is participating in the event today with a release of She is Bold, an American lager dry hopped with the 2022 Pink Boots Society Hop Blend. The brewery is continuing the festivities at 6.30 p.m. Thursday with a Women's Day-themed music bingo hosted by Michaela. At 1 p.m. Saturday, the brewery is hosting Hopping into Vehicle Confidence with the Car Lady Automotive Car Education class. Tickets for the event include a Car Lady certification, Wiley Roots Car Decal, your first drink, and a one-hour informational class. The event is open to adults age 21 and older, and tickets are $35.88 per person. For more information or to purchase tickets, call the Wiley Roots Brewing Company at 970-515-7315. That's 970-515-7315. Thank you for joining us for the Greeley Tribune. My name is Elisa Burrows. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.